as you're being seated, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15. We are continuing to unpack God's truth for our lives in this parable of the lost, wayward, prodigal son. Uh, we know that this parable is about two sons, not just one. As Jesus said at the beginning of the parable in verse 11, a man had two sons. Both sons had starring roles in this parable. Both sons were sinful and selfish. Both sons needed help, needed repentance. Both sons needed God. As we've been seeing throughout our study in this parable, uh, the younger son represents the tax collectors and sinners. The older son represents the Pharisees and scribes. And the father represents God, our loving, forgiving, merciful, good, good father. And we've been looking at truths that we can take from this parable that we can apply in our lives uh, each week as we continue to grow in our faith in Christ Jesus. God is speaking to each one of us individually, each one of us personally this morning, and that's where he directs his truth to our lives at the very core, at the very initial part of this truth. It's always for us personally because he is at work transforming us into the likeness of Christ. And so we need these truths this morning for our lives so that we can become more like Jesus. But we also know we need these truths in our lives so that we can then use this truth that God is going to share with us in our ministry to those God places around us throughout the week. We know that we are ministers for Christ Jesus as followers of Christ Jesus. And so God wants us to use this truth to minister, to serve, to encourage, to bless those that he's going to bring around us. And so let's continue looking at these truths that we have identified in this parable so far. We know, number one, we never win living in sin. We understand this simple truth. The prodigal younger son demanded that his father give him his share of the estate. He liquidated his assets. He liquidated his share of the estate, took all the money that he received, went to a foreign country, and wasted it, threw it away on sinful living. The younger son got what he wanted, but the younger son didn't want what he got. We know that he got his way, but he quickly found out his way doesn't work. And so we know, as followers of Jesus, we never win living in sin. Sin breaks our fellowship with God, and sin pulls us away from God, his word, his people, and his blessings. We can rejoice in knowing that God helps us to say no to sin as we turn to him and trust in him day by day. The second truth we see is humility is a must for us. Both sons lacked humility. Both sons got a lesson in humility. We also know, according to the truth of God's word, as we humble ourselves before the Lord, he will lift us up at the right time, at the proper time, in his time, and he will empower us to live his way. The third truth we've covered is true repentance leads to God's blessings. True repentance leads to God's blessings. In verse 17, we'll pick up there. We see that Jesus is continuing to share uh, this parable. And he says, when he came to his senses, he being the younger prodigal wayward son, he said, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. 
I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired workers. When the prodigal younger son came to his senses, when he came to himself, when he saw his sin and selfishness for what it was, when he understood the error of his way, he embraced repentance. And as we've shared over the past week or two, uh, Jesus outlined the steps for repentance for us here in this passage. I'll go through them real quick once again. Uh, you can hop back online and watch the sermons from the past couple of weeks to, to get more of the teaching behind these steps. But the first step is awareness. We have become aware of our sin. The second step is honesty. We're honest with God about our sin. The third step is humility. Uh, the younger son said, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then the fourth step uh, is confession. The son responded to God's conviction with his confession. God wants each of us to respond to his conviction in our lives with confession of our sins. The son got up, went to his father, and confessed to his father. And then we see the fourth point, the fourth truth, is God welcomes us with open arms. And what a great truth this is for you and me today and this week. God welcomes us with open arms. The picture of the father responding to his lost wayward son is a beautiful description of how God, our father, responds to all those who come to him in repentance. And we pick up again in verse 20. Jesus continued, so he got up and went to his father, but while the son was a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The father's forgiveness, the father's grace, the father's joy, the father's love, the father's mercy, the father's patience, the father's perseverance is on display for us to see and for us to enjoy, for us to embrace in this parable, in the father's response to his wayward son's return. And so we see their blessings that we receive when we repent from our sin. When we return to our Father God and we repent of our sins, three quick blessings that we identified last week. Number one, we receive God's forgiveness. Like the prodigal, when we repent from our sins and confess them to God, we receive God's forgiveness by the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. We also are restored to our fellowship with God. Just as the son was restored by his father to the family, so we are restored by our God. As we repent of our sins, he forgives us and he restores us in our fellowship with him. And then we are renewed in our faith in God. Uh, we see this younger son, he was renewed in his faith in God by his father's response. And as we return to our father God, as we repent of our sins, as we confess them to him, he forgives us, he restores us, and he renews us in our faith and trust in him so that we can continue uh, living for him and becoming more and more like him. And so we pick up now in verse 25. Jesus continues, Now his older son was in the field, and he came near the house. As he came near the house, he heard music 
and dancing. Jesus introduces us here to the older son in this verse. Remember, the older son represented the Pharisees and the scribes. What do we know? Well, we know the older son was in the field doing his job. He was in the field. We know field work is hard work. Field work was hard work for the son because of the elements that he worked in, because of the long hours, and because of the size of the father's estate. Notice that Jesus, in this parable, he says, as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So we know the father's estate was large enough for the son to be out in the field doing his work, doing his job, and not be able to hear or know what was going on back at the house. So the father's estate was large. So as the older son was out in the field, he's finishing his work for that day, he was coming near the house, and as he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of his servants, questioning what these things meant. So as the older son got closer to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he clearly grabbed one of the servants, the first one that he could see, as he got closer and closer to the house, and he said, what's going on? Why do I hear this music and dancing? What's happening? What, are, what am I missing? The key word in this, verse 26, is questioning. Questioning is in the imperfect tense. That means he was continually questioning with urgency. So it begins to give us a little bit of a picture as to what's going on. The son was out in the field, long day of work, probably hungry, ready to come in from work, out in the field. As he gets closer and closer, he hears music and dancing, doesn't know what's going on, so he grabs the first servant he could see, and he says, hey, what's going on? What's happening? Why do I hear music and dancing? What, why do I hear music? Why do I hear dancing? What's going on? I don't, I don't understand. What's happening? What's going on? Tell me what's going on. Do you know what's going on? I need you to tell me what's going on. This continual questioning, questioning over and over again. Now, music and dancing was usually associated with something fun, something good, a, a special occasion. So the older son wanted to know what was going on, and the older son wanted to know why he didn't know what was going on. And so he started questioning the first servant he could find. And so we see, you can almost sense the older son's anger starting to grow inside, starting to grow. Then we get to verse 27. Your brother is here, he told him, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. So notice the servant kept his answer short and simple. Short and simple, just the facts, to the point, possibly because the servant could sense the older son's anger, frustration growing because of his continual questionings. He says, your, your brother's here. And he said, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And so we see, Bible scholars tell us, which gives us a little bit more of a background to what's going on here. Bible scholars tell us that in this day, in this time, the elder son, the older son, was the one who was responsible. He bore the responsibility to help with the father in planning 
all the family feasts and celebrations and parties, any big event, any big activity, it was the elder son's responsibility to take part in the leadership and the planning of that. It was also the elder son's responsibility to join with his father in resolving any conflicts that may come up or that may exist within the family. Any conflicts among family members, it was the elder son who was responsible to help reconcile those conflicts, much like the conflict between the younger son, his younger brother, and his father and the way he treated his father. The older son did not know that his younger brother had returned home. The older son did not know, nor did he plan the party. He didn't know about the party, he didn't plan the party. The older son did not know about the father's response to the return of his younger brother. And so the servant is sharing the good news. The servant says, your brother's here, and your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back. That would have clued in the older son immediately. Because he has him back means your father has welcomed your younger brother with open arms. He forgave him, and he restored him. He gave him a ring, a robe, sandals, and a celebration with a fattened calf for all his friends. Remember, as we've studied, the younger son sold all that he had, his share of the estate, when he left home the first time. We know, according to what Jesus has shared in this parable, that the father's estate, all that the father owned, because he divided his estate, all that the father owned, all that the father had, belonged to the older son. This means that the fattened calf for the celebration for the younger brother came from the older son's flock. The older son, in essence, paid for the celebration for his younger brother. He didn't even realize what was going on. And so we begin to see what's going on within this older son. All that the father had, all the estate belonged to the younger son. Now the father was still in charge because he had not passed away yet. But it was all the older son. It all belonged to him. He said, he has slaughtered the fattened calf because your father has him back. Your father has your younger brother back. And he's not just back, he's back safe and sound. That means he's back healthy and whole physically. And he's back healthy and whole spiritually. He's been restored physically. He's been restored spiritually. Everything is good with your younger brother is what the servant was saying. In a summary statement, in this very short and simple response. And so we continue in verse 27. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. So the older son now gets the report and he became angry. That means he became enraged. He became mad. The older son was not in a celebrating, dancing, forgiving kind of mood. The older son was angry at his brother's return, and he was angry at his father's response. The older son, matter of fact, was so angry, he refused to go into the house. 
The older son was so angry, he refused to go into the party. The older son refused to respond to his younger brother like his father responded to his younger brother. The older son chose to live out of fellowship with his father rather than living in fellowship with his younger brother. As one Bible scholar said, the older son shared his father's home, but not his heart. He shared his home, but not his heart. Again, remember the context Jesus is teaching here. The tax collectors and sinners, the Pharisees and scribes are all gathered, mixed in with his disciples. The older son's anger toward his younger brother was just like the Pharisees and scribes' anger towards the tax collectors and sinners. The older son's refusal to agree with his father about his treatment of his younger brother was just like the Pharisees and scribes' refusal to agree with Jesus about his treatment of the tax collectors and sinners. The older son's response isolated him from his father and his brother. The Pharisees and scribes' response to Jesus isolated them from Jesus. And so we see here in this response, right here for us in verse 28, let me just share this quick word of warning and encouragement to us today. Quick word of warning and encouragement. I believe you can see this. It's clear here in this verse, in this response, in this parable, in this teaching from Jesus. Notice the older son's anger and bitterness stole his joy. The older son's anger and bitterness didn't stop the party. And the older son's anger and bitterness hurt him, not his brother. And you see, the same is true for us today. We must be careful. We must be careful. You see, anger and bitterness will steal our joy. Anger and bitterness hurts us more than it hurts others. Anger and bitterness isolates us from God and from others. Anger and bitterness damages our relationships with others, and anger and bitterness will destroy our witness to others. And so we see, we see the younger son that we talked about we see his sin out in the open. We need to identify and acknowledge the sin of the older son as well and how dangerous it is for each one of us. And so we see the father. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. Again, we see this picture. His father came outside the party and he found his older son and he pleaded with him. So he pleaded with him. What this means is he encouraged him. He exhorted them. He begged him to come inside. Pleaded is the key word here in this verse because pleaded is also in the imperfect tense. That means it was a continual pleading, encouraging, exhorting, a continual begging with urgency. 
The father was saying to his older son, please come in, son. Son, come in. Come into the party. Son, you need to come into the party. Son, I want you to come inside. Come inside the house. Come inside the party. You don't want to stand outside here. You don't want to be out here. Son, you need to come inside. You see, the father understood how much of a blessing, the father understood how much of an encouragement, the father understood how much of a help the older son could be to the younger son who had finally come home and repented of his sin. The father realized that though he thought his younger son was dead, he was actually alive, and he was begging his older son to come in to the party because he knew how much of a ministry, he knew how much of an encouragement the older son could be to the younger son, and the older son refused. He refused. So I'm not doing it. He refused his ministry assignment. Refused to do it. Once again, we see in this father just an amazing picture. The Pharisees and scribes, once again, as we've been sharing, would have been shocked by the response of the father to his older son. Because the older son's response to the father spoke humiliation on the father. For an older son not to go into the party that the father had planned is humiliating to everybody there because everybody in the party was wanting to know, where's the older son? And the older son's response would have normally resulted in a rebuke from the father. And yet here we see the father comes outside and pleads with the son. What an amazing picture of this father. This father ran to restore his prodigal younger son. And this father came outside to plead with his prideful older son. Beautiful picture of our Father God and how he comes after us, how he convicts us and draws us closer to him through his conviction of our sin, through his conviction of our need for a relationship with him. By his grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Beautiful picture. And so we continue now. And he came, he's, the, the scene is, is simply this. The, the, son's, the older son's heard what's going on. He's angry. He stands outside. He's not going to go inside. The father comes out. The father speaks. He pleads with the older son to come inside. And now we finally get to hear. Look at verse uh, 29. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving many years for you and I've never disobeyed your orders. You, you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. You know, we don't hear a lot from this older son, but we hear more than enough to learn a lot about the older son. We don't hear a lot from him, but we hear enough to learn a lot about him. This is true for us today as well. We don't have to hear a lot from people to learn a lot about people. Jesus told us out of the overflow of our heart, the mouth speaks. See, it doesn't take long for us to understand and realize what's in us is going to come out of us through our words. What's in us is going to come out. It's going to come out through our words. That's why Solomon said, above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. That's what Solomon said. Set a guard over my mouth, God. Set a guard at the gates of my lips. That's why the psalmist said that, that, we're to, that he, he wanted his, that God to know his thoughts and, and to search him 
Let the meditation of his heart, to know his heart, to search his heart and his mind, the words of his mouth and the meditation of his heart to be pleasing to him. He understood this. He understood how this is connected. And so we see this today as well. And so let's look at verse 29. You'll see it real quick. The older son used I or me five times in this one verse. Look, five times. Five times he said I or me in verse 29. That gives you an indication of where he was. And we see the older son anger boiled up and it came out of him in this disrespectful rant to his father. What we see, what was it that came out of this older son? What was in him that came out of him through his words? I'll tell you what was in him. It was his self-righteous pride that came out. Look at what he said. He basically said this, and I'll paraphrase this. Dad, I have worked for you faithfully for years. Dad, I've always been by your side. Dad, I've always worked for you. I've worked hard for you. I've worked faithfully for you. I've done everything you've asked me to do when you've asked me to do it the way you've asked me to do it. I've not ever disobeyed you, Dad. I've done everything just the way you've wanted me to do it. Dad, I've never left you alone. I've never left and gone to some foreign country to waste your money. Dad, I've always been here for you. I've always done what you've asked me to do, and yet you've never thrown me a party, Dad. The older son was basically saying, this isn't fair. My younger brother does everything wrong, and he gets a party. I do everything right, and I don't get anything. I get nothing. He said, Dad, I don't even get a goat to celebrate with my friends. Now, it's interesting to note, there's a little bit of humor here. A goat was smaller than a fattened calf. A goat would not be able to feed the numbers that a fattened calf could feed. So the older son was saying, Dad, I'm not even talking about a big celebration and party with a fattened calf. You've not even been willing to throw me a little party with a goat so I can celebrate with a few of my friends. The irony here in this whiny older son is all of the father's estate belonged to him. He could have thrown a party with a goat and his few friends, and they would have been few, I imagine, at any time he wanted to. You see, the older son was more focused on what his younger brother got than he was thankful for all he had. There's a lesson for us in there as well. We got to be careful of getting so focused on others and what others are getting and what others are receiving and what's happening to others that we forget to be so thankful for what we have, for all of our blessings. And he continues. Listen to this, it just gets better. Look at verse 30. It says, But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. So we see here, notice, look at this in verse 30. The, young, the older son disowned his brother. He disowned his brother. Look at it. He said in verse 30, but when this son of yours came home, he didn't even call him his brother. He disowned his brother. He said, when this son of yours came home. And then he outlined his brother's sins rather than his own. 
He said, who has devoured your assets with prostitutes? Then he ridiculed his father for his response. He says, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. You see, the younger son's sin was outward and obnoxious. The older son's sin was hidden and hateful. The younger son's sin was driven by his wants. The older son's sin was driven by his works. The younger son was alone and chose to come back to his family. The older son was with his family and chose to be alone. So we see the direct opposite response here. We continue now in verse 31 and 32. The father then speaks. The father says, son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Notice once again, the father here responded with kindness, with love, with mercy, and with truth. He responds with truth. He reminded his older son that all he had was actually his and he reminded his older son of the reason for the celebration the reason for the feast the reason for the party and he said listen remember son the reason for the feast the reason why I threw a celebration is your lost brother has been found your brother who was thought to be dead is alive and back now up to this point in the parable, up to this point in the parable, the younger son came to his senses, the older son did not. The younger son repented of his sin, the older son did not. The younger son received God's blessings, the older son did not. The older son, his pride kept him from the feast with his family. The Pharisees and scribes' pride kept them from faith in Jesus. The fifth point we see that God wants us to take with us today is we need God's help to live God's way. We need God's help to live God's way. Every day is a party for us as followers of Jesus. Amen? Listen, every day is a party for us as followers of Jesus. One of the truths we see clearly outlined here in this parable is every day is a party for us as followers of Jesus. Now, it's certainly difficult for us to see this some days. It's certainly difficult for us to believe this some days. It's certainly difficult for us to embrace this some days, but it's nonetheless true. We have been invited by God to a party, to a feast, to a celebration by faith in Jesus that will never end. And we need God's help to make sure we don't miss God's party each day. You see, God is with us. God is watching over us. God is working in us. He's transforming us to become more and more like his son, our savior, Jesus. God is working in us right here and right now. He is speaking to us by his Holy Spirit through this truth, and he's making and molding and shaping us to look more like Jesus. We get the privilege to join God in his work of changing lives for eternity. We get the privilege of joining God in his work in others' lives. We get the privilege to 
encourage others. We get the privilege to love others. We get the privilege to help others. We get the privilege to pray with others. We get the privilege to pray for others. We get the privilege to bless others in Jesus' name. We get this privilege every single day. We are invited to a party with God, and he's the one who fills the room around us. He's the one who fills our congregation with all those that he wants us to use. He wants to use us to minister to them. Listen, we know the battle of spiritual warfare rages in us. We see this in the testimony of the prodigal son and of the prideful son. We know the battle of spiritual warfare rages all around us day by day. But we also know greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. Amen. We know that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We need God's help. We need his help so that we can make sure that we're inside the house, that we're inside the party, that we're inside the celebration, that we're inside the feast every day, every moment of the day. You see, we need God's help so that we can see life the way God wants us to see life. We need God's help so that we can see others the way God wants us to see others. We need God's help so that we can love others the way God wants us to love others. We need God's help so that we can respond to others the way God wants us to respond to others. Don't miss the party. Don't miss the celebration. The older son missed it. He missed it. And I know that our testimony, our desire would be that we wouldn't miss this party that's happening right here, right now in Christ Jesus. I love what David Jeremiah, prominent pastor and author said about this parable. He said this, this prodigal teaches us you can be very far away from God, but very near. On the other hand, this parable also teaches us we can be very close to God and yet very far away. This is so true. As I'm sure you've noticed, Jesus didn't tell us about the older son's response to his father. He ended the parable without telling us how the older son responded to his father's reminder of why there was a celebration going on. The reason for this is because this isn't important for us to know. If it was important for us to know, then we know that God would have made it clear to us. But we do know this. What is important for us to know as we come to the end of this parable is simply this. How will we respond to God? How will we respond to God? Our good, good Father, as he continues to speak to us, let me encourage you, whether you are like the prodigal son or whether you are like the prideful son, whether your sin is open or whether your sin 
is hidden. Whether you look really good and like you're near to God and yet far away, or whether you appear to be far away from God and you're, you're really near. Let me encourage you to come humbly to God. He will receive you with open arms. He will save you by his grace through your faith in Christ Jesus. He will forgive you by the blood Jesus shed on the cross of Calvary for you and for me. And he will bless us in Jesus and empower us to enjoy the celebration while we minister to all those he places around us. God rejoices when lost sinners are found. Praise God, we have been found by God in Christ Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. I want to encourage you to respond to the Father as he's speaking in these moments. My brother, sister in Christ, let me encourage you to respond in obedience to the Father. Draw near to him. Come humbly to him in repentance and confession of your sin. As a follower of Jesus Christ, you know that he will forgive you of your sins, but restore your fellowship with him, renew your faith in him. The altar is open as it always is for us to come and do business with the Father. Brothers and sisters in Christ, let's come humbly to the Father. Let's come confessing our sins to him. Let's come casting our cares on him. Our pastors will be here at the front. Maybe you have a care, a burden, a concern that is weighing heavy on you and you need prayer. They would love to pray with you. A brother or sister in Christ would love to pray with you. You could come and kneel and present your request to God. Confessing our sins and casting our cares on the Lord with confidence and knowing that we will receive God's help and mercy and grace in our times of need. Come to the Father asking the strength and the opportunities to minister to those he's placed around you. Maybe somebody he's placed on your heart this very morning. Maybe someone you need to go to and reconcile with. You need to go to and bless. You need to go to and encourage. And then let me also just encourage you this morning here in person, streaming online. If you've not yet received God's gift of salvation, by your faith and trust in Jesus, then the truth in this parable is God stands ready with open arms to receive you, to save you, to cleanse you, to fill you with the Spirit, and to empower you to live His way. It happens as we simply come to our senses spiritually. We understand and realize that our sin has separated us from God, and we can't get to God on our own. And we need a Savior. And we come to see the, the Savior, Jesus, is the only way for us to enter a relationship with God. He came to this earth for us. He took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. He died. He was buried. He rose again, victorious over sin and death for us. He is alive and stands ready to receive us changes from the inside out. And so as God's word encourages us, we just simply need to believe in our hearts that Jesus is our Savior, that he 
died on the cross, he was buried, he rose again. He is alive and our only way to God. And then we just simply need to confess our sin. And we just need to ask God to forgive us. And we just simply need to receive God's gift of salvation by placing our faith in Jesus. We can receive the greatest gift ever given by faith in Jesus this morning. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. God is speaking. God is moving. Let's respond to him in obedience to him. Let's stand and say yes to the Father.